Right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, it's good to have you in the house. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor, and it's a privilege to have you here. want to welcome our Faith Church family here in Florence. Man, it's good to have you all here. want to welcome our Faith Church family in Lawrenceburg. Come on, let's show them some love. Again, everybody else watching online, we appreciate you, man. So thankful you're a part of what God's going to do here today. As we say every week, open up your heart. Allow God to meet you where you are, what you're going through, your opportunities, your challenges. We believe that Jesus is, come on, the hope of the world. And man, you would be shocked what he could do in your life. You'll give him the opportunity. So man, today as we get into God's word, this is one of the ways God moves in our life is through his word. So I'd encourage you, man, we don't say this a lot, but I would encourage you, um, if you don't bring a Bible, still, man, write some notes down, maybe something that God would speak to your heart that you could hang on a mirror, remind yourself of throughout the week, or maybe come back to in a few months that God spoke something to you to help you move forward in your spiritual journey. So we, um, we are in this series entitled, I Am, and basically what we've been talking about for several weeks, for those maybe who have not been here or watching online, is this idea that there are a lot of people right here at Faith Church. Again, we have thousands of people that are part of our faith family every weekend, and their faces and their names. But once you get to know somebody, you know who they are and you know what they can do. And once you know who they are, you can access those abilities. Once somebody moves beyond just being a face and a name, you can possibly ask them for advice or lean into them for help with, again, what their gifts are, what their business is. So again, there, you might have an issue in, with your car. And once you know somebody here is an auto mechanic, somebody you can trust, someone who knows their business, someone who loves the Lord, now you not just know a face, now you know their ability, you can tap into that. And so what we've been saying through this series is the same is true for Jesus. That until you really know who he is, you can't really lean into what he can do. That you have to really know somebody before you can access their abilities. And so ultimately, Jesus, part of what he did in his ministry and his time here on earth is his goal was to let us know who he is. And not just for information, but for transformation, that the more we know who he is, the more we can tap into what he can do, the more we can lean into with the needs of our lives, with the struggles of our lives, with the issues in our life, we can lean into the one who can help us, who can change us, who can transform us, who can be everything that we need him to be. Come on, is anybody here grateful for a Savior like that? So Jesus, he spent time as recorded in the Gospels, the, again, biographical sketches of the life of Jesus, is recorded things that he did, right? Jesus showed us who he was. Jesus showed us that He worked miracles. Jesus showed us that he was compassionate. Jesus showed us that he had authority over sickness, that he had authority over nature, that he had authority over every spiritual issue. Jesus spent time showing us who he was. And not just spent time showing us who he was, but Jesus spent time telling us who he was. And so the purpose of, again, this series is to reflect on some of the things that Jesus said about who he was. And we find in the Gospel of John, the fourth book in the New Testament, these seven I am statements. Seven different times Jesus makes a statement that says, I am. And with that statement again, it's this, he's really claiming to be God. He's saying, I am. I'm that, the way God revealed himself to Moses, I am. And he, he, he brings these metaphors. He introduces himself in this unique way so we will learn about who he is, so we'll know who he is. So again, we can lean into that and experience the life change that we all need in different areas of our lives. And so Jesus says things like this, that I'm the bread of life. I'm the living water. We've looked at several in this series where he says things like, I am the door. 
And again, it's these metaphors and the purposes Jesus is introducing himself to us. And so today I want to look at one of the statements that Jesus made. Again, one of the other seven I am statements where Jesus says, I am the vine. Everybody say the vine. vine. We're not a lot of, I don't imagine we have many vineyards in this place, so we're going to have to dig in a little bit to get where Jesus wanted us to go. But let me just kind of backstep and say this. What if I were to tell you, if you didn't really know me, you didn't know what I did, you didn't know anything about me, but I introduced myself and we started becoming acquainted with one another. What if I told you I was a plumber? What would you expect to find in my life? What would you expect to see in my life if I told you, hey, I'm a plumber? Besides, never mind. <laughs> Man, I was, I was right there. almost. <laughs> what would you expect to see? If I was truly a plumber, maybe you would expect to see, you know, maybe my company vehicle is a, is a plumber's van. If you peeked into my car, you looked into my garage, you probably, if I was a plumber, you would probably expect to find some plumbing tools, some pipe wrenches. If I was really a plumber, you would probably expect me to see from time to time, throughout the week especially, right, I'm disappearing from my house eight to ten hours a day. I'm wearing a, a, a company shirt that says I'm a plumber. If you talk to people who bumped into me from time to time, you'd say, oh, he's the guy that fixed my pipes. He's the guy that found the leak. He's the guy that... Right? If I was really a plumber, there are certain things that you would anticipate or expect to see or find in my life. If I never got a paycheck from a plumber's place of business, if I never fixed a pipe, if I didn't have any tools, if I didn't have any kind of company garb, if I didn't drive a plumber's van, if I didn't have plumber tools, maybe my claim to be a plumber would be suspect. So what would, I, what would you think if I said, hey, I'm a Christ follower? What evidence would you anticipate to see in my life? Right? Think about it. If any of us claimed any, any occupation, any profession, like there would just be this anticipation that you would see certain things validating that claim in your life that you are this type of person or you are in this career path. Again, what if we said to each other, hey, we're Christians, what would you expect to find? What would be the anticipated evidence that we're really Christ followers. Well, that word, the evidence of what is in our lives as Christ followers, that display or reveal that we truly are following Jesus in our lives, that we're on a spiritual journey, that he's our savior, is this word called fruit. Everybody say fruit. Now, I know using the word fruit might feel fruity, but it's the word that we find throughout scripture. Again, that, that, out, that external evidence is fruit. If you're taking notes, fruit is a visible confirmation of an invisible connection. It's, it's visible. It's clear. And I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying it's in every area of life. But again, it's a visible confirmation of an invisible connection. We are connected to a Savior you may not see, but you can see the Savior I'm connected to by how I live. Come on, y'all, real quiet, 8.30. There should, be this, there should be this public display of a private dependency. There should be this evidence. Fruit. Everybody shout fruit. Fruit is an internal belief. It's external behavior. Fruit is in our character. Fruit, Paul says, is, he calls it the fruit of the Spirit. Is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, 
self-control. Paul in other places says fruit is that when you lead someone to Christ, when you introduce somebody else to a relationship with the Lord, that's fruit. When you, when you make an impact in your community, in your workplace, in your family, when you bring light where there's darkness, come on by shout fruit, that's fruit. There should be fruit. There should be this, again, this external, this external evidence. There should be this external confirmation. And so as we think about what we're about, as we think about that, I want to read what Jesus had to say when he made this claim that I am the vine. If you have your Bible, John chapter 15, John chapter 15, starting in verse 1, we're going to read just a piece of a section of scripture here, and you can read it with me. He says this, he says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. So they'll produce, come on, say it with me, even more. And you've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can't do anything. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. And when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples that bring great glory to my Father. Everybody shout the vine. Everybody shout the fruit. So this is, this is the picture that Jesus paints. And again, I want you to keep in mind why Jesus is saying this. He is introducing himself to us so we will know him in a way that affects us, that impacts us, that changes us. And so Jesus, he comes along and he says, notice again, verse 1, he says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. Now, when he says I'm the true grapevine, he's not saying I'm the true as opposed to the fictitious one. I'm not the true one as opposed to the make-believe. He's saying I'm, I'm 2.0. I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the real deal. I'm the real vine as opposed to the one that couldn't get the job done. Well, who's, who's the vine that couldn't get the job done? Well, when you read throughout the Old Testament, some of you who maybe been in church for a while have maybe read this or maybe heard this, but throughout the Old Testament, God compares his relationship with the nation of Israel, his chosen people, with different, um, different comparisons. And one of the comparisons he drops is he also says that the nation of Israel is his vineyard. And every time that you read it in the Old Testament where God talks about his people, the nation of Israel, being a vineyard, it's always in the context of judgment. It's always in the context of disappointment, that the vineyard, God's people in the Old Testament, was not producing the grapes that God anticipated it would, it would produce. I want you just to read part of this with me so we kind of get this context again, because Jesus, again, he's, he's 2.0. You and I, if you're not picking it up, what I'm laying down, we're 1.0. Jesus came to be 2.0. He's the true vine. Isaiah chapter 5, this is God referring again to, the, to his people, the nation of Israel, Again, calling them his vine or his vineyard. He says this. He says, uh, Isaiah the prophet says, Now I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. 
He plowed the land and cleared its stones and planted it with the best vines. In the middle, he built a watchtower and carved a wine press and nearby rocks. Then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes, but the grapes that grew were bitter. Now, you people of Jerusalem and Judah, you judge between me and my vineyard. He's saying, I just told you that my father has, he's saying, I'll tell you, God had a vineyard. He says, you decide who the vineyard is. And watch this. He says, uh, what more could I have done for my vineyard that I've not already done? When I expected sweet grapes, why did my vineyard give me bitter grapes? Now, let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will tear down its hedges and let it be destroyed. I will break down its walls and let the animals trample it. I will make it a wild place where the vines are not pruned and the ground is not, is, is not hoed, a place overgrown with briars and thorns. I will command the clouds to drop no rain on it. Watch this, verse 7. The nation of Israel is the vineyard of the Lord of heaven's, army, of the Lord of heaven's armies. The people of Judah are his pleasant garden. He expected a crop of justice, but instead found oppression. He expected to find righteousness, but instead he, found, uh, he heard cries of violence. So check this out. Here's what, here's, what, here's what God's word is teaching. Is the nation of Israel, God is saying, I did everything I could to make you effective and productive in life. God's saying, I brought you out of slavery in Egypt. He's saying, I brought you into this really incredible land that was your own land. He's saying, I set you up. He's saying, man, I blessed you. He said, I pushed your enemies away. I gave you victory over everything that was fighting against you. And then God said, I stood back and I waited for some visible evidence that you were mine. I was looking for sweet grapes of life change. I was looking for sweet grapes of a visible, come on. He's saying, instead, I didn't get what I expected. He's saying, so if you're not going to produce the grapes that you should produce because I set you up to produce, he's saying that I'm going to destroy the vineyard. Come on. And he's saying, if you're not clear yet who the vineyard, the vineyard's my people. Then Jesus steps on the scene 1,500 years later. He says, he says I'm the true vineyard. He's saying, what in the world does that mean? He's saying, he's saying, he's saying, you can take credit for my produce in your life. What you couldn't produce, I'm going to produce for you, and you get credit for it. So this picture of Jesus being the vine and us being branches, and we're, we're plugged into Jesus, we're pl- in our relationship. Come on, we're plugged in. If you're taking notes, he's saying we're plugged in for substitution. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you what that means. Again, think about this. Jesus, he came, I told you this last week, he came to be our a representation of God. Remember he said, I'm the light. For you that were here last week, one of the things Jesus was saying was, I came to reveal who the Father is. So Jesus not only came to be God's representation to us, but Jesus also came to be our representation to God. Because I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I, don't want all, I don't want my business before the Father because I'm a disappointment sometimes, and I struggle sometimes. And my life doesn't always put off good grapes. Sometimes it puts off some sour grapes. Come on, some of you are some sour great people. Monday morning, you're going to be some sour great people until you get that caffeine in your system. Come on, someone cuts you off, sour grapes. Come on, someone hurts your feelings, sour grapes. Sour grapes. And he's saying, man, your life, instead of producing sweet, sweet uh, grapes or something that's going to put off this incredible smell in community, this incredible influence and environment, he's saying, man, a bunch of you are putting off bitter, sour grapes. And he's saying, I came to be your substitution. I came to produce for you what you couldn't produce for yourself. That when God looks at us, he doesn't see our grapes. He sees Jesus' grapes. Come on, I wish y'all would hear this. This is, 
This is so important. This idea of substitution is found throughout the entire Bible. Everybody shout substitution. Substitution is when you replace one thing for another, when you replace one person for another. So again, I was living my life. God was looking at me, disappointed with my grapes. And Jesus said, you're going to be judged for your grapes, just like the Old Testament, the people of Israel, they were going to be destroyed. God said, I don't want, I don't want you being destroyed, so I'm going to send my son. He's going to stand in your place. He's going to produce grapes for you, and you get credit for his grapes. Come on, somebody. I, this, is, this is so awesome. This is, this is revolutionary. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, this is what Paul teaches us, kind of this idea of substitution, that we're plugged into Jesus for substitution. He says, for God made Christ, who never sinned, to the, be, be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Come on, sour grapes for good grapes. Jesus is our substitute. Think about it like this. Think about math class. How many people here hated, despise, always struggle in math class? Come on, wave at me. Think about math class. What if, what if your teacher came to you at the beginning of the year, a couple tests in, y'all are getting Fs, Ds at best, not turning in your homework, making stuff up as you go, and your teacher said, obviously, you don't really know what you're doing with math, you're going to fail. I went ahead and I took the test for you. And I've already recorded an A for the class. You're a failure. You're going to get an F if you take the test. But I took the test for you, and you get my A. How many people would be up for that? Come on. Y'all just like my kids when they were coming up. Dad, help me with my homework. They didn't want help with the homework. They wanted the answer. My, my kids, for real, they just don't come to me for help anymore because I want them to know how to get the answer. I don't want them to just give them the answer. And so they, since they just want the answer, like they just don't even ask anymore. Dad, just tell me what the answer is. No, because here's why. Watch this. Jesus wants you to get an A in math, but he still wants you to learn math. So our spiritual journey is we keep producing sour grapes. He came to produce good grapes on our behalf, but he still wants to help you as you are connected to him to produce some good grapes in your life, to produce life change, to produce character, to produce light in this world. And come on, some of us in this world, all we want is the A and we want to go play. Jesus, give me an A. I, I prayed the prayer. I went to church. I said, Jesus, forgive me. Now, Lord, I'm going to go back to my life. And Jesus, no, no, no. You get an A, but I still want you to learn math. You're going to fail sometimes. You're going to, you're going to misunderstand sometimes. You're going to use the wrong, wrong formula sometimes. Don't mistake. You get an A, but I still want you to learn math. When Jesus showed up, he said, I am the true vine. I'm the 2.0 to your 1.0. I'm the good grapes to your sour grapes, but I still want to help you to produce good grapes. Some days you're going to have sour grapes. Some mornings you're going to have sour grapes. You still get the good grape. Come on. You still get the good grape credit, but he's still going to help us as we plug into him to have good grapes. You never thought grapes would be so good, did you? Mm. Check this out. Verse 2. I remember reading this verse early on in my spiritual journey. And this verse freaked me out. And I'm going to help you with this. And I, but I want us to just, this is Jesus. I don't always like what Jesus says. But anybody who predicts their death and their resurrection and pulls it off, like, I'm gonna, let me listen to what they have to say. <laughs> Jesus says this, verse 2 and verse 3. So again, he says, I'm the true vine. You don't, have to be the, you don't have to be the main vine anymore. I'm, I'm the vine producing good grapes in your place, but I still want you to produce good grapes. 
So he says, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. So they will produce, come on, read it, even more. And you've already been pruned and purified for the message I've given you. So he says, I want you to notice this process because this is so big. First of all, he says, my goal is, my goal is still for you to produce good grapes. And the way I'm going to help you, so we picture Jesus, he's the vine, he's, he's, he's the life-giving source. And as we're connected to him through relationship, as we put our faith in him as our savior, that connection starts to influence our life. Come on. It starts to bring fruit out of our life. It starts to bring, again, external evidence of an internal connection. It starts to, starts to work out of our life. And he says, in order to help you to have more fruit, notice two things he says. He says, first of all, for the branches that aren't producing any fruit, what's he say? He says, I cut them off. And I remember reading that, and I'm like, because I wasn't doing so good with any kind of fruit production early on. There's some days I still don't do so well with fruit production. Come on, y'all help me. And I'm like, you're going to cut me off? And throw me in the fire. Make no mistake, the word Jesus uses is such a powerful word because it really has a double meaning. It literally means, I will cut you off. Because in order to make vines effective, you got to cut off dead branches. My mom was a plant person. I remember all the time going through the house and she'd be trimming off little pieces. Come on, how many women go get their dead ends cut off? Come on. Four of you, a bunch of liars. <laughs> Come on, you don't need to cut off the dead end when you're wearing a weave. What? What? Did he just say that from the platform? What? What? Come on, Lawrenceburg, I'm messing with you. You got to cut off the unproductive stuff. So but before you panic and you start looking at your life like, oh, no, I'm still producing sour grapes. Is Jesus going to cut me off? Is he going to get rid of me? The other part of the word, this word cut off, is this word iros. And it does mean cut off. It also means lift up. And here's what you need to know. And, And some of you have seen this in your yard. I've seen this in my yard on our house, that vines, vines are natural climbers. Has anybody ever seen this? If a vine gets by a tree, it starts climbing up the tree. We've had vines growing out of our garden, and they get on our house, and they start naturally climbing up the brick. So vines are natural climbers, but they need help. They need something to climb next to. That's why when you plant a vineyard, you put a trellis in the yard so it has something to grab a hold of and climb up on. Because if a vine gets down in the dirt, it won't produce fruit. So in order to get a vine that is a vine or is a branch that is a branch attached to a vine, in order to get that branch to bear fruit, you got to lift it up out of the dirt. Come on. And Jesus was really good at lifting people up. There were people who died that Jesus rose from the dead. And the Bible says, and he lifted up Jairus' daughter. There were people caught in sin. There was a woman sat by a well, and Jesus lifted them up. Come on, everybody say lift up. He lifted them up. Jesus is somebody who lifts us up out of brokenness, who lifts us up out of hurt, who lifts us up out of pain, who lifts us up out of disappointment, who lifts us up out of our sin, who lifts us up out of addiction. Why? So we can be fruitful. He's not interested in cutting you off. He's interested in helping you to produce good grapes. Come on, somebody. Anybody here thankful that Jesus lifts us up? But watch this. So just so you know, if you're here and you're not producing much fruit in your life, you still get an A. 
But he's working on you. He's saying, I'm the vine. You need to recognize that you're connected to me. And if you're connected to me, you will bear fruit. And if you're not bearing fruit, I'm going to help you bear fruit. I'm going to help lift you up out of the stuff that's holding you back. And then he says this. He says that he'll not only do that, he says then he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. Oh, here's where it starts. So he ain't going to cut you off, but he's going to cut stuff off of you. I have found, and if you've not been following Christ very long, you will find if you're serious about following Christ that addition often comes by subtraction. The way God adds fruit, good grapes to your life is he starts cutting some stuff out of your life that's holding you back. God sometimes will start subtracting stuff out of your life in order to add good fruit. I've, I've talked about this a lot here, but to mention this again, one of, the, one of the biggest subtractions in my life early in my spiritual journey that brought one of the biggest additions to my spiritual journey with Christ was God said, you know what, you got to subtract some friends from your life. Didn't mean I didn't like them. Doesn't mean we weren't friends. My life is busy, probably like many of yours. I don't have time for a lot of friends, so the friends I have have to be good friends. They got to be friends that are helping me to produce good fruit. And if I got friends that are dragging me down, dragging me to clubs, dragging me to issues, and dragging me into drama, I don't have time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Come on, is anybody with me? So you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, if you want to produce some good grapes, you got you to allow me to cut some stuff. Notice what he says. He doesn't say you got to prune yourself. Do you know why? Because we stink at pruning ourselves. We make excuses why it's okay. We continue to allow the garbage. Jesus says, no, no, if you'll listen to me, I'll whisper in your ear what needs cut off. Sometimes God will just remove it out of your life. And some of you are clamoring. and cl- I, I need that person. No, let them go. Jesus took them out of your life for a reason. Oh, man, God, God I lost my job. Come on, your job isn't your provider anyways. God is your provider. He pruned that job out of your life because it was holding you back. It wasn't helping you. Come on, sometimes he will cut stuff out of our life to help us to produce good fruit. And so what's something in your life that you know needs pruned out? Who's the person, the thing, the attitude, the bitterness? What's the thing in your life? Come on, Lawrenceburg, what's the thing in your life? Maybe you already know Jesus has been whispering in your ear that he needs to prune. He's not trying to take something from you. He's trying to give something to you. He's trying to remove the thing that's producing sour grapes in your life, that you can be a branch that just doesn't bear fruit, but you can bear more fruit. Everybody say more. Some of you have been in church for a long time. I got news for you. It's time to bear more fruit. You don't get to bear less fruit the older you get. Jesus mandates the longer you're with him and the more you know him, you produce more fruit. Go ahead, Pastor. Preach that. <laughs> Send myself an offering later. I think it's important. Again, I, I'm not a, I don't have a winery. I don't have vineyards. So this is stuff, you know, I have just to research. And I think it's just really important to note for some of you who are new in your relationship with the Lord. And here at Faith Church, we have a lot of people, man, who are just new to spiritual things. So if, you're in, if you've been following Christ for a long time, this is not an excuse for people who've been following Christ for a long time. This is a word of encouragement for you that are new in your relationship with the Lord. It takes time to bear fruit. In fact, they say it takes uh, a vine three years before it ever starts bearing. That means it goes through three complete cycles before it ever bears a grape. So if you're looking at it year one like, man, what's wrong with the plant? You, you feel like, I need to tear it up. I need to start over something. Year two, there's no fruit. It takes three years. 
What I want to tell you is be patient. Be, pre- be patient, new believer. You, listen, the, the night I gave my life to Jesus, March 19, 1989, I said, Jesus, save me. Man, I was broken. I was weeping before the Lord. No doubt in my mind, Jesus was my substitution. He was my 2.0. Immediately in that moment, he gave me an A in God's letter book. But I walked out of that place making the same mistakes, with the same language, with the same attitude, with the same habit. There was no fruit on this branch. And people could have looked at me and said, where's your fruit at? I don't know. All I can tell you is I get an A. Failing every test, but I still get an A. Be patient. For you that have started businesses, be patient. If God opened a door for you to start a business, to step into a new opportunity, be patient. Come on, don't expect everything to manifest or to work out day one. Come on, everybody shout, be patient. If you are connected to Christ, he will help you to bear fruit. Then he says this. Watch this, next verse. Verse 4, he says, remain in me. Everybody shout, remain. This is, this, is, this is so important. So he says, I, I'm the true vine. You're the 1.0. I'm the 2.0. I want you to still have fruit even though you already get, you already get the credit of good grapes. And I'm going I'm to help cut some things. I'm going to lift you up and I'm going to cut some things off. But then this is so important. Verse 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. Everybody here read this. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. Come on, Lawrenceburg. And you cannot be fruitful unless... You remain in me. It's this idea, again, I want you to picture a a vine coming out of the ground and branches coming off it, and off the branches are fruit. If you ripped ripped a branch off of the vine and threw it down, would you ever expect to see fruit on that branch again? No way. The only way you get fruit on a branch is if the branch is in the vine. And so Jesus is, he's like giving us common sense, but he's like, some of you, you're not really connected to me the way you think you are. You got a Sunday morning connection, not a lifestyle connection. And there is a big difference. If you're here and you're new to church, we are glad you're here. If you're in Lawrenceburg, we're glad you're visiting. If you're brand new to spiritual things, if you have no interest in spiritual things, you're just checking it out. We're glad you're here. But for all of you who claim to be a Christ follower, listen, you have to stay connected to the vine. Abiding is something to be pursued, not presumed. You can't say, well, I prayed the prayer. I went to camp. I showed up in church. I gave an offering. No, you have to make sure you're you're pursuing You're pursuing that relationship. You not just presume, well, I remember one time when. No, it's something that happens daily, not something that happened way back when. It's not a memory. It's an activity. Remaining is a part of who you are, not something you did. Come on, everybody say remain. He says remain in me. Some translations abide in me. He's saying stay connected to me. Don't lose your connection because if you lose your connection, you'll lose your fruit. Some of you don't have fruit, not because you've not been patient. Some of you don't have fruit, not because you've not been doing this long enough. Some of you don't have fruit because you are not connected. And it has nothing to do with Jesus cutting you off from him. It has to do with you cutting you off from him. See, Jesus says, remain in me and I'll remain in you. Let me just tell you, Jesus will 100% keep his word. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He says, man, he's going to be with us. He's going to be in us. Jesus is keeping his part of the deal. Are you keeping yours? Just to remain. I say, pastor, how do you remain? For me, it's, it's making sure that my mind has room for Christ. Like when I wake up in the day, there's some space in my brain to think about, man, God, how can you be glorified today? It's about how I pray. Listen, if, if you can't pray long, pray often. If you can't pray long, pray often. Don't feel like you got to wait. If some of you, man, wake up and say, I pray an hour every morning. Awesome. 
Some of you have the attention span of a goldfish. Lord, I thank you for this day. I got to stop and I got to run by Walmart. You know, pray often. Pray in the car. When you get out of the car, pray when you walk in the business. When you walk in, pray before the appointment. Pray just for a minute at lunchtime. That's how you stay connected is your mind is focused on Christ. You stay connected. You remain in Christ when your heart is surrendered to Christ. Lord, what is it you need to cut off? Lord, what is it you need to prune out? I stay connected to Christ personally through worship music. Sometimes having worship music on in my car, worship music on during my devotion. Like, I just throw this out here. Jesus says, remain in me and my words remain in you. Great way to remain in Christ is to get in his word. I don't know how to read his Bible. Have you ever tried? I don't understand his Bible. Have you ever actually read it? The translation we use here on Sunday morning is called New Living Translation. Buy one, download one, apps are free. You don't have to read 10 chapters every day. Read just a section. Lord, speak to me, help me. Jesus said we are, we are pruned by his word. And so I, I just want to tell you, find some, find some things that will help you to remain in him. Don't presume you're connected. Pursue a connection. Are you pursuing a connection with Christ? It's not a prayer you prayed. It's prayers you pray that makes you connected to the vine. Come on, does anybody hear me today? Everybody shout the vine. Now, this is, this is so big. Y'all got to just kind of roll with me here because... I want, you to, I, know, I want you to just to kind of hang here because verse 5 is probably the most important thing I can tell you because probably up to this point, you are all assuming, like sometimes I've assumed, what more do I need to do? All right, pastor, I need to pray more. No, I didn't say that. Praying is pursuing. I want you to notice what Jesus says, verse 5. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Production sounds like work, doesn't it? If you work a production line, it sounds like you're sweating and you're working. That is not the picture Jesus is giving at all. We're not only pl plugged in for substitution. Just being plugged in, we automatically get an A in math. We get an A in grapes. <laughs> And we're not just plugged in for substitution, we're plugged in for production. Production is not work. I don't wake up every day like, like I'm going to pop a fruit out. <laughs> I did it. I did a good deed. I produced some good fruit. No production. Come on, some of you. <laughs> anybody, remember your, anybody remember your first love? Anybody remember being in love? Anybody still in love? Come on, can we get some love? And don't make me get my Barry White on. Now listen, just come on, help me. This girl right here, she swallowed my heart up. I never woke up thinking, what do I need to do today to produce a relationship? I didn't, make, I didn't have a list of five things. Call her. Write a note and slip it to her, slip it in her locker. Come on, some of y'all missed the analog days. Digital, y'all got robbed. If you never wrote a note, whoo, you missed it. Ever wrote a note, put a heart, I love you. I never, I never woke up thinking, I know what I'll do today. I'm going to write a note. I'm going to make a phone call. I'm going to hold her hand. Yeah, that'll do it. That way I'm connected. That way our relationship is growing. 
I never did it. Once she got my heart, it just naturally happened. I just naturally wanted to be with her. I just naturally made time. I started cutting off. Come on. Started cutting stuff off that was holding me back from her. Come on. Does anybody in love can help me? Listen, it just it is natural. It was natural to want to be with her. It was natural to spend time with her. It was natural to write things to her. It was natural to say things to her. And it's still that way. Why? Because production is not something you produce. Production is something that naturally comes out of a healthy connection. Faithful followers are fruitful branches. Faithful followers are fruitful branches. If you are connected to the vine, you will bear fruit. It'll happen. And I have found out that the longer I follow Christ, listen, I still need his A because I'll never get an A on my own. But I'm just telling you, I don't get F's anymore or often as much as I used to. I get some D's and some C's. But I still need his A. He's still my son. He's the true vine. He's my substitution. But if I'm ever gonna, if I'm ever gonna experience real life change, I can't be connected to, I can't, you can't experience life change through people, because people, people never have the life you need. You, you'll never find. You'll never find your life producing what it needs to produce, connected to business, connected to money, connected to degrees, connected to popularity, connected to social media likes. You'll never find it. Jesus said, I'm I'm the true vine. I'm it, baby. I'm the real deal. I'm 2.0. If you'll plug your life into me, I'll produce the grapes you can't produce, but I'll help you produce grapes if you'll abide in me. If you'll stay connected to me, your life, the longer you're connected, the the more often you'll produce good grapes. Vitality is in the vine. Life flows from Jesus. Vitality is in the vine. So let me ask you a question today. How many of you in this room would say, I I need to bear more fruit? Come on. Well, good news. You know the greatest place your life can be is when you align your life with God's will. You know what Jesus said his will is for your life? People say, what does God want me to do? What's God's will for my life? We already read it. His will for you is to produce fruit, and if you're producing fruit, he wants you to produce more fruit. So for everybody that raised their hand, good news. You are in perfect alignment with God's will, and that's the best place to discover God's power in your life. God, help me to produce more fruit. So I want to pray for you all across this room. Father, I know a lot of us in this room are, we're not producing we're not growing. There's, there's not the fruit or the grapes that there should be. Lord, for some of us, we just need to be patient. Lord, we just need to, we just need to sink into a comfortable place in our relationship with you. And Lord, I know more fruit's going to come. It's going to come. So I just pray over this room. I pray over Lawrenceburg that more fruit in our life, more life change is going to come. Lord, not out of our ability to produce it, but God, out of our desire to remain in you. That God, that natural flow of life that comes from you will move through us we'll experience it. So Lord, I pray over everybody here, more fruit, more fruit in serving, more fruit in bringing life change, more fruit in being a light in your workplace and your family, more fruit in the way you handle your finances, more fruit in the way you handle relationships, more fruit in the way you steward everything God's given you, more fruit in your marriage, more fruit raising kids, more fruit in opportunities, more fruit in your business decisions. Lord, I pray in every area of our life, help us to produce, come on, say it, more fruit in my life. If you're here real quick with your head bowed, bowed and your eyes closed, if, 
it all starts with first being connected. If you're here and you're not even connected to the vine, if you're not even connected to Christ, you will never experience the vitality of the vine, the life that Jesus came to bring. And the way you get connected to Christ is just by saying, Lord, I need you. If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never surrendered your heart to him, in a moment I'm going to pray one more prayer. And you can pray with me. You can pray your own. If you'll say, Jesus, save me. Help me to find life in you. So all over this room, if you've never given your life, you're watching online, you've never said yes to Jesus, you can just pray this. Say, Lord, save me. I put all of my hope in you. It's in you that I get an A. It's in you that I find life. It's in you that I find hope. So come into my life. I believe you died on the cross as my substitute. I believe you rose from the dead to give me life. Help me to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees, said amen. Amen. God bless you guys, man. We'll see you next week for week four of I Am.